Today, on episode two of Spotlighting the Author, a book review. The book blurb teaser for A Woman with a Gun by Philip Margolin. Margolin, M-A-R-G-O-L-I-N. At a retrospective on the work of acclaimed photographer Kath Moran, expiring novelist Stacy Kim is fascinated by the exhibition's centerpiece, The Famous Woman with a Gun which launched the artist's career. Shot from behind, the enigmatic black and white image depicts a woman in a wedding dress standing on the shore facing the sea. But this is no serene romantic portrait. Behind her back, she holds a six-shooter. The picture captures Stacy's imagination and raises compelling questions. Who is this woman and why does she have a gun? Obsessed with finding the answers, Stacy soon discovers the identity of the woman, a suspect in an unsolved 10-year-old murder investigation. Convinced that proof of the woman's guilt or innocence is somehow connected to the photograph, Stacy embarks on a relentless investigation. Drawn deeper into the case, Stacy discovers that the one person who may know the whole story, Kathy Moran, and she's not talking. Stacy must find a way to get to the reclusive photographer and make her tell the truth about what happened that fateful day. Was the book blurb compelling? Do you now have the desire to read the book to find out more? How many stars will the book be awarded? Will the review of the book and stars awarded get the book a round of applause? Get it tossed out the window? Or flushed down the toilet? Can the indie author learn anything by reading this book? Dead ahead on Spotlighting the Indie Author, those questions will be answered and more, plus a dab of writing wisdom tossed in. Hi everyone and welcome to Spotlighting the Indie Author, a podcast that showcases the indie author through book reviews and interviews with a dab of writing wisdom tossed in. This is episode two. My name is Joseph Clay, founder and CEO of josephyclay.com. This week I'll be flying solo as my co-host Nina Turnipseed is on assignment for Thunder Horse Publishing. I'll say this about the book blurb for One with a Gun. It was intriguing enough to make me read this story. Although the book blurb does pique the potential reader's interest, the reader must pick up the book to read the blurb. What was it that led me, the potential reader, to the book? I'll answer that question along with sharing some writing and publishing tips. That will happen after the book review and the class bell rings. Why am I reviewing a book that was published in 2014? Two reasons. The first, Woman with a Gun, written by Philip Marglin, is a great teaching tool for indie authors. Second, Philip Marglin is an excellent storyteller. I've read several of his books, Sleight of Hand, The Undertaker's Widow, and After Dark, just to name a few. Woman with a Gun was the first book I read written by this author. At the present time, I'm reading The Perfect Alibi, Philip Marglin's latest release. After I complete reading it, you can find the review on Thunder Horse Publishing. Who knows, it might also be on a podcast. Let's talk a little bit about Philip Marglin the author, who lives in Portland, Oregon. He was a longtime criminal defense attorney. Mr. Margolin, the lawyer, has decades of trial experience. His caseload includes a large number of capital cases. For those of you who may not know, Philip Margolin is not 
and indie author. Mr. Margolin, the author, has written over 20 novels, most of them New York Times bestsellers. Now to the book, One With a Gun, author Philip Margolin, published 2014. The novel is filled with suspense and mystery. The story depicts the hustle and bustle of life in New York and the beautiful scenery of the Northwest Pacific region. The tale surrounds Stacy Kim, a receptionist and aspiring author. Stacy was convinced by her college professor that a short story should be extended into a novel. Stacy moves to New York to do just that. But as with all of us, life got in the way. She was getting nowhere on her novel and needed some type of motivation to kickstart her creative juices. One day at work, she noticed an article on an exhibit she wanted to see. Stacy decided that a trip to this exhibit at lunch was in order. Maybe something there would break the funk that had a hold on her. At the museum, Stacy had enjoyed the pieces of art she went to see. Next to the art exhibit was the photography of Kathy Moran on display. Stacy had never heard of Kathy Moran, but her eyes were drawn to one particular photograph. The black and white photograph was of a woman standing on the beach, looking out over the ocean. Behind her back was a gun. The simple photograph was mesmerizing Stacy. Questions began dancing through Stacy's mind. She had to figure out what was behind this masterpiece taken by Kathy Moran. Stacy knew that using this photograph as her focal point would give her the kick she needed to get her writing back on track. From there, a woman with a gun explodes into action and holds you captive to the conclusion. The story moves along at a good pace with characters that are strong. The plot is concrete and filled with more twists and turns than a winding mountain road. That road's destination? The book's excellent ending. The author doesn't overdo it with descriptions of the characters or their surroundings. Philip Margolin makes the reader feel they're in the story by showing the reader what is happening instead of telling them. One with a gun is hard to put down. I read the book in a day. That will wrap the review up. Time to award one more with a gun some stars. The author wrote a terrific suspense mystery. Passing grades were achieved by the book blurb, plot, and book cover, along with the characters. I hardly ever hand out five out of five stars. Will this be one of those rare occasions? I know Woman with a Gun doesn't get trashed and tossed out the window or flushed down the toilet. If it doesn't get five out of five, will the stars awarded be over 4.25? Earning the book a round of applause. I just don't know. Tell you what, here's a short but important message for indie authors. From the Crowd, an online magazine. I'll be back in less than two minutes with my decision. Thunderhorse Publishing offers resources and services for the independent author, writer, blogger. When you succeed, they succeed. Need a unique book cover that will grab the potential reader's attention? Struggling with interior formatting? Check out the THP paid publishing services and recommended freelancers tab on the website. These professionals will help you achieve your goal. The Crowl, an online magazine that gives the independent a voice and platform to be seen and heard, is looking for poems, flash fiction pieces, and short stories to fill the pages of the magazine. 
The Crowl is published every quarter and depends on the indie author for its content. The Crowl also has several visual writing prop contests in progress. Head on over to their website and join the fun. You can find the links to these websites in the show notes on our podcast blog. The link to that blog is below in the podcast show notes. The Crowl and Thunderhorse Publishing are part of the josephyclay.com family. Thank you, and now back to the podcast. Okay, writers, go on over to the Crowd's website and join in on the fun. The magazine is a great publication for indie authors to submit their works. The Crowd caters to the indie author, no matter their skill level. Okay, listeners, here we go. It's time for the awarding of stars. I give Woman with a Gun, written by Philip Marglin, 4.5 stars out of 5, and a round of... I recommend One With A Gun be on everyone's reading list. After reading this book and others by this author, he quickly climbed into my top three authors list. Who are the top three authors on my list? Number one, Stephen King. Number two, this author, Philip Margolin. And number three, James Patterson. With each book I read from these authors, I always get a great story while learning something about the craft of writing. Now to the last segment of this podcast. That bell signifies it's time for class. During this class session, I'll be referring to the book we just reviewed and sleight of hand by the same author. I'll also be covering several tips that the indie author can use to avoid some of the pitfalls a new author can make. Four of those tips are important to remember. When I get to those, I'll let you know. Important tip number one. If you don't remember but one thing from this lesson, let it be this. A writer must do two things religiously. The first, write every day. The second, read books written by mainstream authors and indie authors. Read all genres, not just the one you write in. This is the best way for all writers to hone their craft. Here are a few things that I learned from reading One with a Gun and Sleight of Hand. I'll start with a book blurb read at the beginning of the show. For clarification, the book blurb is a description of what's between the front and back cover. This book description is called Many Things, a jacket or back cover. People also refer to it as a summary, teaser, or blurb. The scholars call this type of book description a short synopsis. I refer to it as a book blurb or teaser. Whatever you call it, to me it's the hardest thing to write and is one of the few things I dread about writing a novel. The book blurb is a total pain in my, well, you get the idea. I'm not the only person who feels this way. Listen to what the people who read elite authors had to say about the book blurb. Good blurbs can be hard to write. There is so much they need to capture and in just a few words. A good blurb communicates the essence of the book, the heart, as well as the hook. A fiction blurb needs to quickly describe the protagonist, highlight the genre, and encapsulate the central conflict, all while carefully omitting anything that even hints at a resolution. A nonfiction blurb needs to summarize the main topic and highlight several of the book's most compelling ideas or insights. Good blurbs leave the readers so curious about what secrets await them that they must find out more. 
and that's when readers buy books. How many words should be in the blurb of a book? While a blurb needs to contain enough information to give potential readers a reason to read on, it should not be long. About 150 words is ideal. Those few words have a big job to do. However, they need to be carefully crafted to attract potential readers' attention, seize their imaginations, and leave them wanting more. The book blurb for Woman with a Gun is 172 words. That's 22 words over the ideal length. At least it's close to 150 words than my blurb for Witch's Dilemma, my second book. That teaser word count comes in at 463 words, but who's counting, right? Besides being over 22 words, the author nails the other criteria. Although the blurb is near perfect, it can't be seen or read from across the room. An excellent book blurb can't do its job if the book is never picked up. So what lures the potential reader to the book? The cover art. That's right, your book cover gets the book picked up. The blurb acts as the closer, sealing the deal. Let me explain. I had never heard of Philip Marglin when I checked out One With A Gun from the Inglewood Branch Library. I was looking for Patricia Cornwell's latest release. So what made me check out One With A Gun also? Instead of one of the other thousand books at my disposal, Important tip number two, cover art matters, especially if the author doesn't have name recognition. The book cover is the first thing a potential reader sees. The cover also gives the reader their first impression of the author. The cover can be simple, but needs to be unique and eye-catching while looking professional. Since this is a podcast, I can't show you the covers of Sleight of Hand and Woman with a Gun, but I can describe them. They are that simple. Woman with a gun has a red background with white lettering. The background frames a black and white photograph, the woman with a gun. Sleight of hands cover is a little more complex, but simple. The background is black with red and white lettering. There are four aces centered on the cover. Instead of the aces having clubs and spades, diamonds and hearts, they contain the images of keys and justice scales, knife, and scepter. The front ace is blood splattered. The book covers and the blurbs of these two books worked as a team. Together they compelled me to read the books and later purchase them for my library. Think about this. The author's website, if they have one, is the only place that markets their books with no competition. Bookstores, libraries, and ebook retailers have a slew of books for the potential reader to choose from. That means the author's book gets tossed and maybe lost in the sea of books. To combat being swallowed up by the bigger fish, have a cover like Philip Marglin. Both of his covers contain clues and messages of what the novel is about. The indie author's book cover should do the same. Like editing, this is one area the indie author doesn't need to skimp on. Well, to be clear, if the indie author wants to compete with the mainstream authors, never skimp on anything. If the author needs to cut corners to save on dough, don't do it here or on editing. If they do, nothing good will come from it. Thunder Horse Publishing suggests the following to give the indie author a book cover that will stand out and get the book noticed. First, the don'ts. Never use a plain cover, no matter the color, with no artwork. Never use a stock photo 
that doesn't relate to the novel. Never use a cookie cutter cover. Remember, the cover art must be unique to draw attention to it. The do's of creating a dynamic book cover are easy to follow. If the author is not a graphic designer who understands the ins and outs of book cover design and formatting for ebook and print versions, hire a professional to design the cover. During the design process, discuss with the book cover designer or book cover artist what the novel is about. Since the cover art and the book blurb work together, send them the book blurb and let them read it. Together, the author and book cover specialist should come up with a cover that the author wants to represent the novel and them. Authors, remember, it's your book. Accept nothing you're not pleased with it. Now on to naming of characters. What's in a name, right? They're not that important. That's how several indie authors think. When you see or hear a name of one of Philip Margolin's characters, you almost can tell their profession by the name. What do you think Tiffany Starr does for a living? I'll let you know in a second. As far as names go, I disagree that a name is only a name. I try to give my characters names that suit them. I don't stereotype them, but look at their occupation, family history, and other aspects. A vampire from Transylvania needs a Romanian first or last name. It's that simple. Back to Tiffany Starr. If you guessed she was a stripper, you would be right. It's not the name of Tiffany or a star that brought you to that conclusion. It's the combination of the two names. So yes, there's something to say about a strong character name that fits the character. Okay, readers, get ready for important tip number three. It pertains to backstory. From the books I have read on writing, the classes I have taken, and from editors who have bled over my work, backstory is a no-no, especially for new authors. The general rule, stay in the present. A flashback here and there is fine, maybe. New authors are told that backstory, when not done correctly, takes away from the story. They are also told that backstory slows the story, causing the reader to become bored with the book. When a reader gets bored, they're likely to put the book down and never pick it back up. Why do I bring this up? Woman with a Gun has a lot of backstory. However, the backstory moves the tell along, adding to it more intrigue and questions that need to be answered. How much backstory does Woman with a Gun have? The book contains 50 chapters. 25 be considered backstory as they occur in the past. The story takes place in 2015. The story jumps back in time to 2005 and 2000. How does this author do this without slowing the read down? while keeping the tale interesting? Philip Marglin filled the backstory with action, character building, and events. This author used the backstory as subplots, which tied back to the main plot. Another thing this author did was to divide the story into parts as well as chapters. A different part number was added to the tale for every time jump to the past and back to the present. This kept the reader on track with the year the story was in. At the time of reading One with a Gun, parts were new to me. I saw how they could be useful if done correctly. I found this technique for backstory to be pure genius on Margolin's part. Since then, I have incorporated this technique into my own writing style. Next tip, I call mixing it up. The one thing will bore a reader to death besides backstory not done correctly, the repeating of words. 
The author, to keep from using the same word over and over and over, should use synonyms to keep the content fresh. Never sit down to write without a dictionary and a thesaurus at your disposal. Both will help in cutting down on word overkill. However, when using a new word, don't do like some mainstream and indie authors. They fall in love with a new word and wind up overusing it. Philip Marglin, like all of us, uses synonyms. He dropped the word seeth, S-E-E-T-H-E, -E -E, verb, to boil or stew. This could refer to something cooking, or a character's anger, or the movement of a crowd. The author, however, didn't overuse the word. Seath only appeared once in the book. By doing so, the word had more impact. I wrap this lesson up with important tip number four, line scene break. What is a line or scene break? Technically, a line break is used in poetry. A scene break is used in novels. However, in today's world, the terms have become interchangeable. The two most common uses for these breaks are to change character point of view without starting a new chapter. The other is to show an amount of time has elapsed since the last sentence. When a line scene break is used, the following paragraph is not indented. There is no right or wrong way to use the break. Not using one will frustrate and confuse the reader and will also disrupt the flow of the story. Authors use several different ways to signify a break. Some use a single symbol or maybe a line of symbols such as dots, asterisks, or a combination of symbols. Some authors use a single line. The line could be dashed, solid, or curvy. All of those methods are normally centered. Another technique commonly used in romance and erotica is to use a subheading. That subheading contains the name of the character the point of view is switching to. That subheading is justified left. Philip Marglin uses one of the most common types of line scene breaks, the white space. This method is nothing more than a double or triple spacing between the paragraphs that the break occurs. Most new authors don't use line scene breaks, or do they? Here's the part of this tip to remember. If the author uses the white space method, the break may not make it to the finished work. Why? To make sure the final product looks professional, the formatter makes sure there is no extra spacing. They use a program and or a visual check with their own eyes. All they are looking for is improper spacing between letters, words, along with sentences, and yes, between paragraphs. Those extra spaces will be removed. This has happened to me. My book was void of all line and scene breaks. If an author uses the white space line scene break, let your interior formatter know and inform them of their locations. Remember authors, it is your job and responsibility to proof the formatting manuscript before it gets to a publisher. That would do it for this class. The good news, no homework. Spotlighting the any author is still on their once a month podcast schedule. The next airing will be May 1st. And that show, The Spotlight, will focus on the novel Promise Me Always, written by indie author G. Michelle. Some of the information in this podcast came from previously published blogs. Those blogs were posted to Thunderhorse Publishing and Joseph Clay Author, the official blog. That will wrap up this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the review and found the bits of writing wisdom helpful. Till next time, keep writing and reading. Roll the credits. Time for me to head downtown to the honky-tonks.
The show notes contain the following. Links to the author's website or social media page and are the guest website or social media page. The credits for the music and sound effects used in today's show, the link to spotlight into any author's podcast webpage and blog. The blog will contain links to the companies mentioned in the podcast and reference blog. The blog will also contain other pertinent information discussed in today's show. Spotlighting the Indie Author can be found on most major podcast platforms. Visit our podcast website for the links or search your favorite podcast app for us. Please, if you enjoyed the show, subscribe and use the comment section to let us know your thoughts. Thank you for listening, and please join us for our next podcast. Till then, this is Joseph and the crew of Spotlighting the Indie Author, bidding you a farewell till next time. Spotlighting the Indie Author is a josephyclay.com podcast.